This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 609 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Eco Gold, and Total Saddle Fit. On today's show, we are joined by our friend Melissa Allen, who has been interacting on Facebook with Dressage Tips. And also, we've got Wendy Murdoch talking about riding safari in Africa. And then newly accredited USDF instructor Jennifer Truitt will be on. And to finish off the whole show will be Olivia Lagoy Welts. She's got a great trainer tip for us. This is Reese Goffler Sandfield from Loxahatchee, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. Hi, Reese. How, how are <laughs> you doing? How's it going down there? Really? It's been great. It is really good. We are still actually at the height of the season, really. We we show again tomorrow. Uh, we've uh, been doing a lot of showing, and some of it we're doing a lot because we've broken the horses up. It's sort of how everybody's schedule's going. But uh, I did my first Grand Prix freestyle and bingo last week. It's really good, 71%, so we'll take it. And he was good. He's actually 15, uh, but he's pretty green Grand Prix horse. He's never done a CDI before. He's never done a freestyle before. So he was a little bit nervous actually going in, but it was, a, it was late in the evening last Saturday at global. It's one of those, you know, it was just a great night. And my coach Scott Hassler and, and Sarah Turry, who has uh, been bingo's nanny. It was just a really cool experience and it was a lot of fun. He was a little bit nervous. So we're going to do it again tomorrow. Uh, just to, just to, well, I want to get my regional scores before we head home. It, it's kind of nice. Cause you know, the horse shows less than a mile from our farm. So it's not really stressful on them. They get in the trailer, they're back within an hour. And that's really the nice part about it versus when I get home, we all have to travel a little bit more. So it's actually a little less stressful. Uh, and follow me does his first intermediate one tomorrow. Everybody's kind of been following my journey with him. I guess I've had him five years now. Um, so tomorrow will be really fun. I think he's going to be quite a good I1 horse. Uh, the test really suits him. He's not been a bad St. George horse either, but, um, so that's going to be fun. So lots of first right, tomorrow. Right, yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. We we're, we're wishing you luck. Thank you. Thank oh, you. Hopefully, and, hopefully uh, it all continues to go well and, and, you know, you can, you can get to where you need to be and get your scores and, and that way, you, you know, it. you can have a little bit of a quieter summer. That's, that's, that's the plan. You know, it's, it's the way your and I schedules work. I'm really busy really now. And then I am quieter in the summer and you're really busy in the summer. So it works out really well that uh, we get to do that and kind of flip our seasons. So that's the plan. So looking forward to it. It's kind of a school night tonight, uh, kind of quiet here at the house. I'll do night check and probably go to bed after we record. So all is well. Um, but we do want to acknowledge, um, I'm sure everybody listened to Olivia Lagoy Welts's interview about going to the World Cup. And the World Cup has actually been canceled. Uh, it was canceled after our interview. So we went ahead and ran that interview last week because uh, it was such a cool interview. And um, I'm not sure, we'll, we'll have to talk to Olivia about it again, about her future plans. I'm sure she's she's really working toward Tokyo. I know that. 
Um, and also we want to acknowledge Charlotte yours who was on that team. And also Shelly Francis, she was also on the team going, uh, to the world cup. We wish them well. And all the other riders, I know Brittany Frazier was the Canadian representative, uh, but all those riders, I mean, I feel like, I feel like, um, you know, we did our interview and then Friday morning I woke up and then the news was coming in from Europe that they, because of their EHV1 outbreak that they don't think they could, they didn't think they could responsibly hold that big dressage and, and show jumping world cup finals. And it's probably the right decision, but it's just such a, just such a shame. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's absolutely heartbreaking. So, oh gosh, we really, we really want to send everybody our love and uh, obviously safety first. So I think we're all learning if there's anything in these pandemic times is uh, to have flexible plans. I think we're all, we're all there, but we're, we're sending them our love and she just still did a great interview and it was super fun to have her on. So uh, she made the team and uh, you know, so we wish them all well. Well, Phil, we've got a great show. We actually have quite a busy show tonight. So we're going to get started uh, with Melissa Allen. She's got uh, another fantastic resource on our series of finding resources on the internet. We hope you enjoy. Well, tonight I'm very excited to have Melissa Allen on the program. She is a USDF FEI certified instructor. She is an amazing writer as well. And she is the creator and curator of the Dressage Training Tips Facebook page. Melissa, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you very much. It's great to be here. Well, you've been you've been on the show before, but it's been a little bit, I think. It has, it has, but I always love doing it. We are so happy you were here in Wellington. Tell us a little bit about why you were down here. We got to spend some time together a couple of weeks ago and it's lots of fun. So what were you doing down here? We did. It was lots of fun. Actually, it was just an intense training uh, trip for me. Um, I have a new horse that's a Dutch mare and she's coming five this year. And, um, with COVID last year, I was unable to get any training done. So I wanted to come down for two weeks and do some intense training with, uh, Christine Traurig, Allison Brock and Catherine Bateson. And so I brought her down and did lessons the whole time I was there. And it was absolutely phenomenal. I know you had so much fun. And, and I think that was so great to see because us as trainers, right. To be able to come down and have, two weeks with your horse of training. It, it, it's, it's truly a sabbatical, isn't it? Completely. And, and I love my clients and I love you know what I do, but it's nice to focus on me and my horse for those two weeks. Absolutely. And didn't your students, I mean, it, everybody felt like this was a good, good idea and kind of helped pitch in, right. To have you come down. Oh, they were fantastic. Everybody not only pitched in and was supportive, but um, helped financially for me to be able to do this you know, had my sponsors that pitched in to help me do this, uh, which was amazing. And, um, it just, it really showed the support that they have for me. And of course they know that I'm going to bring back all of my experience and my inspiration, which I did coming home. Um, and then of course, you know, being in Wellington, seeing all of the horse shows and being around that level of, of dressage training is just absolutely inspirational in itself. So it was a wonderful trip and my clients are amazing. And, Sponsors are amazing to help support me, even just for the two weeks. It was absolutely worth it to be able to do that. And I could not have done it without them. I have to say that. Well, I love it. Just, you know, just to put a bug in everybody's ear, 
you know, if you can get together with your barn group and, and help, you know, maybe your trainer can't get away or can't, feels like they can't get away. This was awesome. Uh, and it, it's an inspiration for everybody. So, so I wanted to talk about that as well. Um, along with you have an amazing Facebook page. When did, tell us about it and when you started it. Oh gosh. I started it back in November of 2019. I just had an idea. I, I'm a very private person, um, but I wanted to really help educate people and where I don't love to put myself on, on YouTube. Um, this was a way for me to have a little outlet for people, um, and just education. Everybody loves education. And this was really a a fun journey for me. It's been great. And I, I love doing it. And I love the people's stories that join it. Um, there is a question that just tell me in one sentence about you and your horse. And some of the responses that I've gotten from people have been hilarious. I had one gal say, I have a chestnut mare. Need I say more? <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it's, it's been really fun. And I have people from all over the world um, that have joined it, which has been very humbling and amazing to me because I just wanted sort of this to be a little small and, and uh, it's really taken off and grown, grown huge. And um, so, but lots to talk about and uh, anybody that has questions, I, I openly say, you know, message me and if you have a question and I, I'll talk about it. So that's been fun. Yeah, I think you're kind of like we were seven, eight, maybe eight years ago where where it's like, okay, Reese and I are going to talk on, you know, on the show and maybe a few people will listen. And but I mean, the the community is just so expansive and hungry for talk about dressage or, you know, that uh, it, it really surprised us as well. Yeah, totally. And I, I was blown away. And, and I still I mean, I get 20, 30 responses a day. Um, you know, asking to to be invited to the page. So it's 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 very fun. So maybe maybe you can t- tell us a little bit about some some of the tips that uh, that you've come up with, or, or how do you come up with it? Let, let's talk first about how you come up with these tips <laughs> and and where you're getting your inspiration from. Well, I get inspiration daily from my students. I can say that, knowing that we have you know you know two or three lessons in that day, and and it was the same topic for that day. Um, that's one inspiration. The other inspiration is asking for feedback. Um, I went through a period of articles where I kind of did a little contest and I said, you know, ask questions. What do you want me to write about? And I had 10 articles out of those questions. I had 10 questions. And so I wrote my 10 articles, any ranging from walk pirouettes to canter pirouettes to tempe changes to medium trots, um, stretch trot circles, even free walk. How do you pick up the reins from a free walk? Um, and so I, I did all of those articles and then I picked the winner based upon what everybody felt was the best article. Um, and then they got a free virtual lesson from me. So that was fun. Um, but the inspiration just sort of comes to me. Sometimes I don't write on there for a little while and then a topic hits me that I'm like, people really need to understand what we're talking about and, you know, connection or, um, you know, developing your skills of confidence in the saddle, um, there's a lot of, of people that, you know, are not confident or they have maybe a difficult horse or maybe they're a timid rider and how do you build confidence? And so, you know, being able to help them through that um, just in my articles has, has really been amazing. And I've had a lot of great feedback from that. So that's, that's the rewarding part for me. No, oh, it's fantastic. And it kind of keeps us all going, right? And that's why we all, it, we're all yeah. teachers. And, and this, is, yes. this is just other forms of teaching. So tell us, what was kind of your latest tip that you gave? So I did one on um, basically putting the theory to work. So 
everybody reads the books and they watch videos, um, but how does that translate for you as an individual and your horse? Because everybody obviously has different body types, different athletic skills, and your horse as well. They're confirmationally different. Um, and so it really, I, I broke it down to how do you translate what you're reading, what you're seeing, what you're hearing to help you in the saddle. And um, one of the things that I learned from Lilo Four, the wonderful Lilo Four years ago, um, going through the certification program was for me to be a teacher, I need to teach them what to do as if I were sitting in the saddle. Um, and that really changed my thought process on how to teach because you can tell them you need more bend or, you know, you know, more engagement, but what's the feel that the rider should be looking for? Um, and so that's really inspired the article that I wrote about that. And, you know, the rider has a responsibility as well as the trainer. And a lot of people do have regular training, but some people don't. And so as a rider, you have to be responsible for your own learning as well. So, you know, going through your checklist, I know I need to keep my shoulders back. I know I need to keep my elbows bent, making sure that the rider is doing their part and their responsibility of learning as well that it's not just left up to a trainer telling them every time they need to do something. So I being a little more independent in their thought process on, on their riding and then developing the feel in translating, well, I did this. So I put my hands down. What was the feel that came from it? Remember that feel. So that will help you remember to keep your hands where they're supposed to be. It's not just oh, I need to keep my hands down. What was the feeling that translated with that process? Yeah. No, I love it. And and I think, you know, dressage, which is so interesting about our sport, is there's a ton of theory you have to learn and understand, right? I think all, all three of us, we learn to ride as kids, which, you know, we've, we've talked about on the program before, you know, when you learn to ride as a child, it's different than learning to ride or honing your skills when you're in your 40s or 50s. It's very, very different. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, you know more theory in your 40s and 50s than I certainly do, than when when we started riding as teenagers and kids. And we were going, Liz and I have been friends a very long time, and we would go to clinics together and learn theory. But we could do it. We just didn't know what we were doing. So there's definitely that you know, that transfer of knowledge of, okay, it's good to know the theory. That's awesome and and very necessary. But how do you translate to that to your horse if you're sort of, you know, not not a a limber kid anymore? And I think I certainly learned that when I learned a new skill, when I tried to learn long lining, right? It was really frustrating to me because I I knew what I was supposed to do, but getting organized and doing it was one thing. Um, So I think when you learn a new skill, you, you, it, it's very different than when you learned it when you were a kid, or maybe you were wrote a lot when you were a kid. And now, you know, you've raised your babies and you're back into horses and, and your body doesn't do what it did as a kid. So I think that's also really important to think about too, when you learn the theory and, and, you know, we certainly, we love talking about theory where you can geek out all you want about the three of us can really geek out about dressage theory and <laughs> love to do that, but you have to know the theory, but then there's that sort of, you have to translate it right into, into practice. Well, and I, I totally agree. And I think that a lot of times exactly what you were just saying, Reese is, you know, a lot of people are getting back into it or getting new into it as they get older. 
and everyone learns differently. And I feel like a lot of riders are more left-brained in, in the way that they approach things. So they may know the theory on it, but they don't have that right brain yet. So the left brain is obviously your thought process. It's your processing. So you're thinking about it all the time and the right brain is just automatic, you know, so you're, you're driving home, you know, where you're going, that's your right brain. Um, you're in a new city. You don't know where you're going. That's your left brain. You're paying more attention. Everything's a thought process. And the same is true in riding where I find that a lot of people get into their left brain and they're thinking and thinking and, and they're trying to process. And then that takes away from their right brain in feeling things. So trying to develop the evenness on, yes, we have to talk theory, but you also have to feel it, you know? So you go back and forth between over-processing and, you know, I mean, a lot of people over-process things. They, they have to think through it and think through it. Well, you're sitting on your horse in the meantime, and your horse is like, I don't know what you're talking about because you're in your own head. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. you haven't told me what to do here. Um, you know, and, and the right brain of it, I feel is the naturalism. And I think that's going back to when we wrote as kids, you know, I mean, we, we've been there, we've done it. Our bodies naturally feel things. And now that we're older, I won't say how much older, just a little older, um, you know, you, you incorporate because we had the ability in athleticism when we were younger, that we feel things naturally now that we don't even think about, you know, and they watch us ride and they're like, we don't see you half halting. Well, that's because we've developed our skill that you're not supposed to see it. And I think that a lot of riders these days, you know, they, they want to know it. So they get too much into their left brain and they think about it too much rather than just feeling it and breaking that down to where you can say, all right, look, we can talk theory, but in, in actuality, it's all about your feel and, and duplicating that feel. You know, I mean, we teach a lot of clinics. And so when I go to a clinic and I teach for the weekend, I'm gone by Monday. So I need to make sure they understood it, but they felt it so they can duplicate it again when I'm not standing there. And, and that's really my, my whole tips page, my training tips page is based on that. You know, I want people to be able to have exercises to do on their own thinking for themselves, feeling it for themselves, and not relying on a trainer to stand there and tell them every single step of it when they're not feeling it. Yeah. And, and I mean, the answer, the answer to working through that problem faster is to just have more horses. Yeah. So, you more know, like, yeah, it's, it's nobody's fault. You, you, can't get, you, you can't get time in the tack from doing anything else and developing that feel. And, and that's why you know, all, all of us riders get better and better just by having lots of horses to ride. So, you know, I just tell my clients, you just need to buy two or three more and put them all in train <laughs> and all that great stuff. Right. And my then clients are, you're going to, and then you get you better. Right and I mean, that's, I mean, yeah. ideally that's the best answer, but, but, you know, I, I'm just, what I'm trying to say is don't be, you know, for all the students out there, don't be too hard on yourselves. It's, it, it takes hours and years and, and it, it's all Absolutely. compounded in, into into getting to where you want to be, and and sometimes it goes slow, and sometimes you know the next day it just clicks, and you're like, okay, I could do it, you know, like that. That yeah. was the feeling. I, I tapped into you know my my own potential and my horse's potential, but um, it just takes time. Yeah, and that's a great point. And and you know <clears throat> we all learn from all of the horses that we've ridden, right? Every single horse we've ever ridden. We're fortunate that we get to train for a living, but we get to ride so many different horses. 
Most people have one or maybe two. The lucky have more than that, which slows the process because you have one horse to ride a day and, and there's, you can work out in the gym all day long, which is great. It develops cardioism and, and everything else and muscles. Nothing is like riding. There's nothing that can duplicate being in the saddle. Um, and so you, you only have that one horse that you can ride per day. Us that are fortunate to get to do it more, get more opportunities. So therefore it excels that feel. So, but again, everybody has their own journey. And so if you only have that one horse, that's great. You have a horse. Um, if you don't, you find something to get on. And, and if you want to get better, then, then you really put forth that, that effort for that one horse for that day, but also have realistic expectations that nothing happens overnight. Right. No, it's true. And, and, but I, I love it that there is some level of studying and, and, and that kind of thing as well, right. It's not just doing, you have to kind of know what you're doing and, and that's what sort of all, that's why we love your, your page and why we've been hi- highlighting online businesses and online resources for people because the information really is out there and it's, um, yours is, is, is free. It's, you just have to get out into the page. And yep. so it's, it's really fantastic. So Melissa, tell us again, how do we get on the page? How do we find you? What's all your contact information that we can give to our listeners? It's called dressage training hips. And, um, you can Google it on Facebook, um, and it'll pop up. There is a question that I ask you, um, which is just tell me in one sentence about you and your horse. I do that to make sure that the people on the page are legit and honest, and it's not, you know, some weird person trying to get on. Um, and then I, I am the sole proprietor of this, so I approve everything. And so please be patient. Um, if I, you know, I, I have some people that it doesn't list it on, on who joins last. It just kind of randomly does things. So I have to go through everybody to approve and, um, but would love to have as many people as possible on there. Um, I also have my website and you can email me on that website. It's Melissa Allen Dressage LLC. Um, and, and if you Google that, it'll pop up my website. You can contact me directly on that as well. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for coming on and we can't wait for our next installment. And when the tips come up, we always look forward to them. Thank you guys so much. This was so fun. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Researchers have confirmed that as horses age, they naturally become less sensitive to insulin and more susceptible to health problems caused by too much sugar in the diet. One way to reduce the sugar content in a horse's diet is to replace sugar-laden grains with a high-fat supplement. Fat is an extraordinary energy source. It is readily utilized by the horse and contains more than two times the calories of sugary grains. Equijewel Stabilized Rice Bran is an excellent fat supplement. It contains a balanced calcium to phosphorus ratio and won't cause mineral imbalances when added to the diet. Its all-natural ingredients are high in healthy fat and fiber. Best of all, Equijewel allows owners to easily replace the calories previously supplied by sugary grains. When you need to add healthy calories to your horse's diet, choose Equijewel. To learn more, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Well, tonight we are so happy to have as our monthly guest, and we love having her, Wendy Murdoch from the Murdoch Method. Wendy, welcome back. 
Thanks. It's always great to talk to you guys. We love it. And actually, we are all currently sitting on our Anywhere saddle chairs. I <laughs> had to come off because I maybe slightly got bucked off, but it was my own fault. But you we love our either. I was not wearing my helmet. <laughs> no, I was trying to get water. It, it's a long story, but they're wonderful and they're really, really good. I, I like it for my back. Uh, when I sit on the Anywhere saddle chair, they're the best. So I think everyone else is sitting in their chair. I had to come off. Cause I wasn't yeah, paying well, attention. You, you told me you got too high. And if you're, you know, if you're sitting on a chair that's really high and your feet can't touch the ground, it's, it can be a little precarious. So you really do want to be able to be put, put your feet on the floor. <laughs> and, and I got a little too far from my mic. That's when Paul really gets oh. mad. Our producer yeah. will, will be like, get, get off your chair. But there was a lot of things happening, but normally <laughs> I sit on my horse. chair, get off my high horse. <laughs> and, and, but we love our anywhere saddle chairs. And I've been using mine a lot because I've been, I use them when I visualize my tests and we've been showing a lot. So I've been using it a lot. Um, but I learned I can't do it when I'm doing the podcast, but Tonight, we are actually going to talk about something that Phil and I are super excited about. It's your safari that you take people on. This is amazing. Oh, yeah. Tell us about it. It's so great. So so back in 2000, well, actually, I started going on safari back in, the, in 99 and 98. Um, I, I met a woman. Her name was Mary Robinson, and she asked me if I'd take people on safari, and it was to Botswana. So I first started out going to Botswana, which was a base camp when we rode out. And um, and then I lost touch with Mary for a while, and then I saw her again in, like, 2007, and she started in on me again. How about taking a group of people on safari, but this time to Kenya, to the Masai Mara? And I was like, okay. And, of course, I went to my friend's house, and um, out of Africa came on the television, and she was reading Meryl Barkham's book, um, West with a Knife, which is a fabulous book. It's really good. But it's all about uh, bush flying in Kenya back in the 1800s. Um, and so it was like meant to be. And so Mary organized it. She had a company called Horsing Around International, and she organized the safaris. And, and, and I went in 2008. And then we met Gordy Church. And so our outfitter over in in Kenya is Safaris Unlimited. And Safaris Unlimited, it, they started horseback safari in Kenya back in the 70s, like 71, I think it was. Um, Gordy's dad started at Tony Church. And so we got to know Tony and, and Gordy really well. And then Mary decided um, when we went back in 2010 that she was getting old and she had lupus and she had some health issues. So she decided that I should own the company, Horsing Around International. And so Gordy and Mary conspired so that I bought the company. <laughs> like I needed another company. So I actually own Horsing Round International. It's a booking agency. And of course, we book rides to ride on the Masai Mara um, in Kenya. And I go on the ride. So, you know, I'm the added bonus that you can have some instruction, very informal instruction, but instruction while we go on safari. And it's just, it's amazing. It's really amazing. So what, what is oh, yeah. the instruction if you see a lion? Yeah. Um, listen to Gordy. <laughs> oh, okay. You got, you so got there, your wildlife experts there. Gordy is our outfitter. He is our guide supreme. He has eagle eyes and he and they are all his horses. And and actually in 2010, um his super size, so size is a groom, right? And so his super size that safari in 2010 was Felicia. And now Felicia is married to Gordy, and they have two beautiful children. And so, you know, we were there when they got together. So it's like family to me to go on safari with 
with Safari's Unlimited because there's they're amazing people. But Gordy is he is so amazing, and his whole goal is for us to have a fabulous time and come home with lots of memories so that we want to go back and everybody's safe. Um, And, you know, my my motto for teaching is always safe, fun, and educational. And basically, that's the deal. You know, he he knows his horses super well. He's bred them. He's, they now have a couple of Appaloosas, which is amazing, um, because that's rare as hen's teeth in, in Kenya. But they have a super string. And Felicia actually played polo and her her brother pet polo back in in uh, in the UK. So she's a fabulous horsewoman and um so I've been I've taken groups for uh eight eight times over to Kenya to go riding with them and it's just amazing. And how um, how many days how many days do you do? It's 9 days. So okay. we we fly into Nairobi and then we spend a night in the Serena Hotel and get a react everybody acclimated and have a group dinner and then we head out from wilson airport and if you know anything about out of africa wilson airport is still the airport that you know is in all the old stories like out of africa and so we fly from wilson and land in the mara and they pick us up with the vehicles and we have uh drinks and snacks and then they we go on a little bimble they call it where you just kind of go on a little game drive to camp and it's mobile tented camp so you know, when people think about safari, a lot of people think they're going to be in a vehicle and they're going to be staying in a lodge. But our safaris are true safaris, meaning that you're you're out there, you have your crew, you have your horses, you have, you know, the people that you're with, and you travel across this amazing land for, for eight nights and nine days. And so there's, um, depending on, we're going back in September, um, we have two rides, actually, depending on where the wildebeest are, because it's during the, the Great Migration, which is the largest uh, land animal migration in the world. It's over 1.5 million wildebeest that travel from Tanzania, from the Serengeti, up into the Maasai Mara, following what they call the Gnu Rains, which is makes the grass pop. Um, and they've already had their calves down in Tanzania, so now they're they're young. And they travel through the Mara, and then they head back down. And this is a migration that's been going on for I don't even know how long. So depending on where the wildebeest are at the time, we'll either have three or four camps. Um, And these are beautiful camps. Gordy's found these lovely, like my favorite one is Lion Camp. And it's in this little knoll with this little river running through. And there's two prides of lion, one uh, to the west and one to the east. And so at night, you hear the lions roaring back and forth. It's just incredible. And the stars, uh, I'm sure you remember the stars. Because we're so close to the equator, there's only 15 minutes difference between summer and winter. So they don't have summer and winter. They have rainy season and dry season. And of course, when we're there, it's dry season. Um, But the stars are so brilliant. And so, you know, we have, we have candlelight dinners with china and silverware and hors d'oeuvres and cocktails and um and then we have gourmet meals and and, you know it's hard for people to believe how the the meals really are gourmet like we tell people there's really good food and they're like yeah yeah you're on safari and there it's one of the things everybody talks about when they come home is um the cooks cook on a charcoal fire and a little charcoal oven and they bake focaccia and we have you know, whipped cream because they have a solar freezer and it's like it's you're yeah. not camping, you're glamping. This is now now we're talking, Wendy. It's, now we're talking. Funny. When I heard camping, I was like, ooh. No, so I can no, tell no, you, no. I'm not a camper. 
but so I can whip cream, whip cream, whip cream. I can handle this. I can handle this. So Wendy, so, you yeah. know, obviously my horse, my husband is not a horse person. So is this something, do you need to have horse experience? No. Riding experience? How does, how does that work? You may, so, you may be pretty sore, but. Yes. Well, the deal is you have to be a decent rider to go because, because when we are on horseback, we are surrounded by game and, you know, if something unexpected should happen, you need to be able to move quickly. So for the riding skill level, you need to be able to do a good hand gallop. Um, but if you don't ride, you can come on in the vehicle. And the um, Pete, who drives the vehicle, takes people on photographic safari. And he actually guided for, do you remember the Disney movie, um, African Cats? It's, it's amazing. Mm. If you haven't seen it, you got to watch it. The photography is stunning. And so Pete actually um, guided the camera crew for that movie. And he's been out there guiding for over 40 years and has a, another guy with an eagle eye. And so, you know, if you, and so we had this couple come with us once and he was like totally triple A, you know, business guy on vacation. Half the morning was emailing and on his phone. And the wife, they did cycling. And so when they got there, they thought they might have to pitch their own tents. And we're like, are you kidding? There's a tent crew to do that. <laughs> so the yeah. tent crew takes care of the tents and they bring you coffee in the morning when you get up, right? If they come, uh, Jumbo, which is high, coffee or tea, cream and sugar, and a biscuit, which is a cookie. And so that's how you start <laughs> your day. Um, yes. And, yes, and they went out in the vehicle. And the first thing they saw was a baboon uh, chasing a cheetah. And the, and the guy was like, he never picked up his phone. And the wife was blown away that this like super type A guy put his phone down and had the time of his life. Um, and that's, I mean, it's such a special thing. And and our guests, we stay in touch with all of our guests. Like I have guests from, from the very first safari. In fact, more than probably 75% of them, I'm still in touch with on a regular basis because we all become family. When you travel with a group like that, um, and so we only take 10 guests because Brad and I go and um, we take 10 guests and you're, you have more crew than guests. You have like 20 to 23 crew to 10 guests um, and you're traveling across the land. And, you know, the thing I, I always talk about um, with Kenya is you can take it at the level of the skies, which are so amazing, or the trees, which are really incredible, or the flowers or the game or the, the um, birds. And there's so many different levels to, to, um, to take in um, that every time I go back, I see different things. And, you know, like I'm, I love to go on, on photographic. So what I'll do is I'll ride most of the ride and then I'll just go in the vehicle. Like early morning, we get up before sunrise. Not everybody wants to do that, but I love to do that. And I got the best lion pictures doing that in the vehicle. You can get so close that Brad, one time we we went back and found these lions with their cubs, and he could have literally reached out of the vehicle and touched the lion because they don't see the vehicle as a threat because there's no hunting in Kenya. No, There's poaching, which has actually been gotten under control. Um, it was bad for a while there, but it's, it's under control now. And so they're not afraid of the vehicle. So you don't get out of the vehicle, okay? You don't get out of the vehicle. But <laughs> no. they came, come, you know, they don't see it as a threat. And so, you know, on horseback, we don't get nearly that close. So the people that go in the vehicle, it's it's stunning. It's um, We've watched a, a pair of brother cheetahs and watched them for hours and went back and found them again. And we've seen lion and herds of zebra and wildebeest and, um, you know giraffe and 
Um, there are rhino. I haven't seen any rhino on the Mara. There are rhino there. They are protected. They have uh, guards that that keep an eye on them. I've seen them in the national park, which is right next to Nairobi. Um, and we always take people to the elephant orphanage. So the Sheldrick mm-hmm. Wildlife Trust, I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We go, you, you, we make everybody adopt an elephant. It's $50 for the year so that we can go to the evening feeding. And so the Ellie's are out in the national park during the day. And then the keepers walk them in for their dinner and for nighttime. And so you can go for evening feeding and they come trotting in and bellowing for their dinners. And then they get their milk <laughs> bottle and then you can touch them and pet them and they wrap their trunk around you. And oh. it's, I know it's really yeah. amazing. Yes. I'm like what ready to experience. sign up. So yeah. how do you, how do you sign up? Like what's the, cause I'm assuming you're starting to think about that for this year. So what we had to do last year is we had to move. We were supposed to go in in September last year, and we moved our two 2020 safaris to 2021 this year. Okay. Um, And we still have some slots open in that one. Um, And then we have dates for 2022. So um, right now on the Murdoch Method uh, shop, there's a downloadable guidebook that Brad made. It's over 65 pages. It tells you everything from the kind of plugs that you need to travel insurance to where to fly and, you know, what you need and what the trip's going to be like and the horses. It's it's a really, really informative booklet. We haven't updated it. It's still the 2020 guidebook. We haven't updated it for 2021 or 22, but most of the information is totally pertinent. And then it's just, there's just slight changes now. Um, but, you know, one of the things people have to realize is that with COVID, that Kenya has been so on top of this and they've had, you know, a handful of deaths. They really haven't because they're so, so much of a tourist industry. That's where so much of the country's income comes from, that they have um, really gotten a handle on it and they have protocols in place and we get updates. Brad's always talking to the people about COVID and what you have to do. And and basically right now, you just have to have a test before you fly out, a test before you fly in and a test before you fly out. And, you know, I mean, by the time we get to uh, September, you know, you know how rapid things are changing. So I'm sure it'll be even easier. But, you know, right now... Um, there's easy arrangements to have that test. We're actually even thinking about whether or not we can have them come to camp and test everybody in camp so they don't even have to, you know, worry about it. And there's a whole system online to upload the tests. So, I mean, they've really got a handle on it because tourism is such an important part of their economy that, um, you know, they're, they're making huge efforts to make sure that that's not a limiting factor for anybody who wants to go. That is, it's so amazing. I'm like ready to sign up. I'm like, what? (laughs) This is so cool. Well, one more time, Wendy, tell everybody, how can they find you and all of your amazing, you have, you're in, you have so many businesses. It's really fantastic. I love it. I didn't need one more, but Mary has passed on now. So dear. Um, so, you know, it's like, uh, but she wanted to see that her company kept going. And so we've, we've continued that legacy. Um, so to find me, you can email me at wendy at wendymurdoch.com. You can go to the murdochmethod.com website, go to the shop. There's a free downloadable items and the Safari guidebook is one of those. You can download that and, and already see a lot of information about what you need and what to do. And then people can just email me and Brad usually gives them a call back or emails them back um, and, you know, answers all their questions. Like I said, we have a couple of spots left. We're taking actually two groups this time. So I will be in Kenya for at least three weeks 
in September. Okay. That is yeah. so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, it's so awesome because there's no computers. Yes. <laughs> you know, right. And um, you're not surrounded by technology. You know, I, we always try to encourage people to, to just put their phones to rest and just use them for cameras because that's such a big part of just getting away and being in touch with the land and just, you know, renewing. I mean, Brad just wants to sit in a chair in the middle of the plane and just breathe. He loves going back. It recharges his batteries. That um, is so cool. So. It's amazing. And and I have, I have not been to the Masamaya. I've been to South Africa and it's, it's an amazing place. So I, yeah. I would love to put my name in the hat to go. That would sound okay, amazing. Awesome. So yeah, <laughs> you know, the game in the Mara, since we started going in 2008, they, they actually made an arrangement with the Maasai who own the land we're on. Okay. So a big chunk of your fees actually goes to the Maasai for the the permission to camp on their land. Um, but they made an arrangement and they made these conservancies. And so what that did was the Maasai pulled back and the game since 2008 to now has proliferated like crazy. And of course there's been so few people out there because the lodges were shut down that the games just come back, you know, it's, and it's so amazing. You can see 15 different species in one 360 view when you're out there. It's incredible. Well, Wendy, as always, thank you so much for coming on the show. We love hearing about all of your adventures. And um, if, if people really want to go, we want to hear all about it and see pictures. So yeah, thanks awesome. for coming on the show and we can't wait to, to hear all about it. All right. We'll talk to you next month. Now a quick word from Eco Gold Saddle Pads. No slipping, no sliding, no problem. EcoGold Secure Saddle Pads are engineered to keep the horses back comfortable while keeping the saddle in place for a safe, competitive ride. They have impact protection through the seat and the ultra-thin flaps provide the rider with better communication and a more stable riding position. Available in both English and Western styles, shop the entire collection at ecogold.ca. Well, tonight, it is truly my honor to introduce one of USDF's newest FEI certified instructor, Jennifer Truitt. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm just so excited to be able to talk to you tonight. It has been a big week. You literally just finished your testing on Tuesday, right? Yes. Tuesday Tuesday at like 4 o'clock, I found out that uh, my um, co-participants and I, we all passed. We were just super excited to be able to say we have finally made it like it, this is it's a hard testing and it's so many years in the process to get to this point so yes we we were very excited all three of us to be able to say we did it it is it is it is huge it's a huge deal and um so tell tell us all refresh us what is the process to become an fei certified instructor so um Basically, you have to have your own scores on two different horses, um, and you also have to have student scores that you can show that you have a certain amount of um, education and experience in the FEI levels. And this was the FEI B certification, which I believe you also are, Reese. That's right. And, You're t- um, I think we have 20%. There are nine of us in the U.S. now. I think there's, there's more than the 20% US. on this call. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. And the FEIB is, um, it's just pre-St. George and Intermediate one. 
And um, so basically, we it's it's really cool. Like last year in season, we got to do a workshop that Lilo Four um, put on for us, and so we got to ride a horse that we were familiar with, and um, and then teach a lesson to a student that we were unfamiliar with. So she got to kind of coach us through, and it was just an am- amazing experience, you know, of camaraderie working with the other participants. And then they hand-selected the three of us, Bill McMullen, Cindy Wiley, and myself, to come through to the testing. Lilo actually gave us an afternoon refresher workshop, which was amazing, like a month ago, and um, kind of helped us get ready for this. And then um, for the testing, it was two days, and um, I'm staying at Marianne McPhail's farm in White Fences with my coach, Olivia Lagoy-Welts, and amazingly generous, both of them. They let us have the testing here at Marianne's High Meadow Farm, and what we wound up doing the first day was all three of us rode a horse that we were familiar with, so maybe a horse that was in training um, for Bill And for Cindy and I, we both rode our personal horses. So I rode my young horse, Dream, who is seven and working on basically fourth pre-St. George and um, starting to play with the uh, Passage, which is super exciting and full pirouette. So kind of a good example of a horse that's moving up to toward pre-St. George intermediate. And then we got to teach uh, unfamiliar students both afternoons. And then Tuesday morning, we rode unfamiliar horses. So uh, they really, they they also included a written exam that, wow, we got it a week out and it was yeah. essay questions. It's hard. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, each one of these questions, the answer could be literally a dressage today article. <laughs> it's true. It's a very hard test. It took forever. Wow. I think I, I basically designated one question a night and I probably spent two or three hours on each question. And the three of us were emailing like, Oh my God, is, <laughs> are you guys having as hard a time as I am? You know? So yeah, we really time. developed so much camaraderie between or among the three of us. Um, and then we did a verbal exam on Monday morning And I have to say, that was a blast. I was really nervous about it um, because, you know, you think going one-on-one with three examiners, especially the level of the people who were examining us, it was Ann Gribbons, Lilo Four, and Kathy Connolly, like amazing elite, like the people, superstars that we look up to. And um, we got to do it in a group. So they had a whole list of questions that they were going to ask us. And then they would just sort of start at one end of our little line and say, you know, give me your answer. And then the next participant got to just build on the last answer. And so we basically, it was so cool because we, it was more like just a conversation and it would have been amazing to have it on video because the conversation among the six of us was incredible. And I mean, I learned that day, I think everybody else could say the same thing. And um, we all thought about things and came at the answers um, from a different perspective, because we all have different backgrounds. And it was really just an amazing um, team building kind of um, feeling. And then, you know, of course, the rest of the testing was, you know, as it always is, it's like, oh, testing, you know, so yeah. you worry and stress and did I do it? Okay. And uh, <laughs> did they like that? Did, am I do? am I still like posting on the right diagonal? <laughs> you 
you know, silly things like that. So um, it went great. And, you know, I'm just, I'm thrilled. What a great experience. And they said now they have enough people that they're going to go ahead. They've got everything ready for a FEIA, which would be Intermediate 2 and Grand Prix. So that Mm -hmm. is super exciting. And they want me to move uh, on. That's awesome. That has not... um... That's new. They haven't mm-hmm. they haven't released it yet. So that's fantastic. No, I know it's going to be brand new. So they invited me to um, apply for that. So I'm so excited to be able to be in the inaugural group for that. And um, yeah, I don't know when it's going to be. They don't know anything like that, but they have like all of the everything figured out. They just have oh, to figure fantastic. out like the when and where all of that. So, yeah. Very excited. It. It's been 18 years in the making since I first did the initial workshops for the training and first level exam 18 yeah. years ago. Yeah, it so, really it, long it's a, time. It's a process for sure for all trainers. And like mm-hmm. you said, becomes really a, a great group of colleagues that you can, you know, in any any sport and any business, having colleagues to work with and and answer question. It's, it's really a, it's, it's a great group. So we couldn't be more yes. excited that you're part of it. And so you've also been here in Wellington. Uh, well, we're in, we're in Loxahatchee actually. Loxahatchee. Um, you're my neighbor. What have you been doing while you've been here? So I came down, I actually was a little um, leery about coming down because of COVID. So last year before festival, I got invited to be in the Emerging Young Horse Program with my Young Horse Dreamy. And um, I I had the opportunity, I was so fortunate that Christine Trollrig, the coach of the program, um, was going to be there at festival. So I got to meet her for the first time at festival. And um, she agreed to actually give me a lesson on my day off between my show days. And then she agreed to uh, warm me up for the, the class, the, the final class. And um, Liv and Christine, Olivia Lequay Waltz, my, my coach, work beautifully together. It's incredible. And so... Um, they did the emerging program did a couple of training sessions down here and I actually got invited to both of them and it was amazing. And then I was able to get also probably four other lessons with Christine since she's been here. And this has been her first year, her first season to be here all season. So um, my, I don't think I'm going to go to Florida this year because of COVID turned into, it was originally going to be six weeks. It's been 10 weeks now. And the most <laughs> incredible, like, progress and evolution in my riding and in my horses training and my depth of understanding about how to train horses that's ever happened in my whole career. Being able to be here with Olivia every day, I can ask her questions when she's riding her horses and when she's teaching and I can pop my head in and being able to ride with her every day on both my client's horse, um, Devo, uh, owned by Jean Bros and my own horse. There's just nothing like it. I've been able just to focus on my development this winter. Normally I have a bunch of clients down with me. So I have a whole farm and I have my own thing to do. But this year, it's really just been about my own education. And what a blessing. I have the best husband ever. I just have to say that. Because he <laughs> let me come down here and Sh- you know, out, not really make right? any money. <laughs> yeah, shout out yeah. to husband. Exactly, exactly. Lenny Truitt, he's the best. But yay, yeah, lady. I mean, <laughs> yay. So yeah, I mean, it's... It, 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 it's a it's a huge challenge for, you know... Um, 
we were just talking to Melissa Allen about you know how to how to make that possible when you when you have to leave a business and then not make any money yeah. and then try to fund competitions and trying to fund lessons which are not cheap. everything. Um, yeah, yeah the it. whole deal. So so mm. what's your what's your advice here about about you know for people who want to make that happen but but see the financial burden is a bit too much. Well, you know, um, so I uh, I was talking with Jean actually, um, trying to figure out like, you know, I don't have I have um, product sponsors, but I and I have a couple of service sponsors, but I don't have any income sponsors, and I don't have and I own my own horse, um, and so my husband and I fund it, and I try to work as hard as I can, you know, teach as many lessons and clinics as I can, but I have a huge farm back at home and a mortgage, you know, a lot of, a lot of people I think don't own their own farm and, you know, they, they have a different, a bit different kind of financial situation. So Jean and I were talking and she's like, you know, we need to somehow figure out how you can sell the experience. And, um, because I don't really want to sell shares of my horse, you know, I want to be able to control him, everything about, you know, the decisions to make with him. And we were talking about, well, what, what can you do to like, like share the experience with the people who really believe in you and, and want to be a part of your journey. And um, I had heard about this, this um, organization, or maybe it's just a website called Patreon. And what Patreon is, is it's this way that you can basically create a membership subscription to your, whatever it is that you do. So it was actually set up originally for like musicians and artists. So like a musician might have um, a new album coming out and they have all these people, all these fans who back them and they might invite like their top fans to come to a recording and they actually get to be in the studio and record. Same thing with like an artist. You could come and participate in um, some of the artwork. Well, with nobody that I really saw was doing dressage that way. So I set up Team Dream, which is just Patreon. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Team Dream. And it's a way that you can set up different tiers. I have multiple tiers where I can share like the behind the scenes information, like my actual lesson footage, um, things that I'm processing mentally, like, should I show this week? Should I not show, you know, where are we in learning? What have I just learned? I had a lesson last week where I, I looked at Olivia and said, Oh my gosh, my brain just fell out into a pool of jello on the floor. You know, so <laughs> it's a really cool way to like share that with my clients and people who really support and follow me. Cause I have a really big following on social media, people who just want to know, well, you know, what, what's going on behind the show footage? Because, you know, that's when I'm really out in the public is at a show. And there is so much, as you guys know, that goes into that. Like the, the, I have an osteopath that works on him and like the saddle fitting and the, we just got a new bridle and we did a whole fitting on that. And, you know, all this stuff that goes into creating that end result that you present at a show and so this is just a really great way to share that with people. And with the different tiers, people can buy into this experience at whatever their budget allows, but each tier allows for more and more participation. So one of the really fun things that we're doing that everyone loves is we're just doing, it's silly, 
Zoom kind of based like virtual happy hour. So everybody just gets on and we're all drinking whatever we want to drink. There's people who drink milk and water and, you know, we all go through and say what we're drinking. And then I answer questions. I tell people what's going on and what, you know, what's the latest and greatest and what, who has said what about dream and, you know, what we've been working on. And it's really been a great way for me to share my journey that I'm going through down here. And it's such an exciting year. It's way more than I can just write in a post. And I've been doing vlogs. So just a video sort of check in with everybody and um, kind of saying like, especially on a day that I just had an amazing breakthrough in a lesson, like, oh my gosh, you guys, I can't believe I just figured this out. Like it's a whole new feeling. Um, so it's just a really super way of making it possible for everybody to really feel a part of what I'm doing. And um, everybody's enjoying it. I, I love it. And I it makes me a little bit of money, you know, on the side. Oh, like I've, sure. I, it's awesome. You're not rolling in the dough, I'm sure, but it's definitely oh my helping. Goodness. I mean, it's so expensive to maintain horses. We yeah. all know that. And then you're maintaining yeah. the high performance horses is just crazy. So much more. It's so, so much, much more. more. Like and, and the even here, path is like $350, you know, for like an hour. And I'm like, oh my God, but she's so amazing. She's so worth it. So I think at this point, my my monthly income for Dream would put a set of shoes on. So that's yeah, great. That's, I that's to, great. It, I, that's yes, I know, because I have to pay helpful. for a set of shoes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's incredibly so, helpful. But yeah. I think it's such a great idea um, because, again, oh, you never know when you have an amazing horse and, and all three of us know yeah. it doesn't happen all the time. And when you have it, you have to right. go. And that does mean that you have to be in Florida not making any money for 12 weeks yep. or, or whatever. And, yep. and you know, yep. we, we're not living large. We, we, we all live no, pretty, pretty basically. And especially right now, things are pretty quiet here, but, right. but, you know, so all the money goes to the horses, but it really Absolutely. is a fantastic way to help fund. And we all know that when our friends have special horses or when, whenever anything like that is happening, it's, it's just a great way that you can support somebody and be a part of their journey. Yes. And, and I love it. So Jen, r give us, how do we find you? Tell us again, how we find your Patreon page. It's um, www.patreon.com and it's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and then forward slash team dream. Because, of course, dream is dreamy. So, team dream. And then I'm on Facebook. I'm Jennifer Sappington Truitt on Facebook and um, Twitter and Instagram. Or you can go to my farm page, which is www.mydhf.com. Awesome. Well, Jen, again, congratulations on your FEI certification. We love Thank it you. and it's a huge deal. And we look forward to following you and Dream on your journey together. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for the support and letting me come on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. Well, Phil, we always talk about the Total Saddle Fit products because we love them so much. But I was actually helping uh, Sarah Turi on her Young Thoroughbred today. And we were looking at her shimmable saddle pad. And I love this product, especially for a youngster. The, her particular horse is a five-year-old thoroughbred, completely changed body style since we've been here in Florida. So it's a great pad. So you also use this quite a lot as well. 
Yeah, I mean, like you know, I, I deal with a lot of young horses who, I mean, you know, realistically, if if things were perfect, we'd probably be, you know, refitting saddles every three months. I don't think there's anybody that can do that, you know, possibly. So, you know, we, we try and have our saddle filler, fitter in for sure every year, but for these guys, probably every six months. But they change so much, and it's so uh, difficult to get the, the, the right fit with the saddle. So this shimmable saddle pad, uh, it's, it's a half pad, actually. Um, and you can, you can put shims in the front, you can put shims in the middle, and you can put shims in the rear. And you can, you can kind of make, make a saddle work for a temporary time while the horses are changing. And, and it's just a really wonderful product to make the horses as comfortable as possible um, without huge expense of, of changing the saddle all the time and having your saddle fitter out all the time. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, we we always we're lucky. We do we, we're here, so we get we do the horses when we first get here in in December, and then we do them sort of the last week before we go home because all the horses have changed very much in the time that we've been here in Florida. So, um, so that's why we brought that we needed the pad because he he's changed so much. So it's really a fantastic product. It's just a great one to have sort of in your barn when you need it. Pull it out. Uh, if you can't get to your saddle fitter right away, or you have a young horse. Uh, so we highly recommend it and all the other saddle, uh, accessories, the girths, the stability stirrup leathers, they're fantastic. So as always take a look at totalsaddlefit.com, and we're going to go with our total saddle fit tip of the week with L- Olivia Lagoy Wells. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, tonight for our Total Saddle Fit tip of the week, we have Olivia Lagoy Welts. Olivia, welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Well, you have a great Total Saddle Fit tip of the week for us. What do you have for us? Uh, I think my, my tip of the week is it comes from actually just having, we just imported a young horse that's five and the, and she's lovely. She's great. And I think they've done a great job with her, but the guy said to me, she doesn't, she doesn't really lunge because, you know, we only do that a little bit when we break in and then, and then that's it. And so she's lovely, but she doesn't turn super well. And so I've taken her a little bit back to basics. And just in a really simple way, like putting her on the lunge line, even just with the, you can do it, or like I use the rope halter a lot, but like with her, I've done more just simply hooking the the lunge line to the inside um, bit ring. And like the amount that it's challenging for this horse to just stay on a 20 meter circle and stay on the edge of the circle and one consistent tempo and one consistent um, basically bend, right. So that she's not trying to bulge your outside shoulder or then cut in on the circle. It's really sort of reminded me that like, you know, lunging, teaching a young horse to lunge or any horse to lunge. It's not just about like, Oh, I'm lunging it so that it's not crazy when I get on and the bucks are out, but it really is the first basis of, you know, teaching a lot of young horses, number one, like learning how to learn a skill set, which is a really important, um, you know, piece of, of a horse's progression because they have to learn 
lots of things as they grow up as horses. And so just learning that skill set of like trial, error, finding the right thing, like reward and like repeat um, is like really important. And then the other thing is, is that like really is the first step in teaching them like the basics of like inside, you know, inside leg to sort of like outside of the body and maintaining like an arc on the circle inside hind, like reaching outside front, but not running away, you know, out the outside shoulder and being able to just like gently like follow, you know, a connecting inside rein. And, and so it really, it's like right at the top of my mind because, um, it really made it when you get one in your barn that doesn't do that, you realize, Oh, I've taught all the other ones how to do that. And this is missing. And while I can get on and address it under saddle, you know, the mare is young enough and sort of has, uh, an interesting personality. She's very confident and a little bit dominant. And so under saddle, it could actually be much more of a discussion point. And I don't want to have, you know, this relationship with a horse where I start out with like a fight about like, no, you have to turn and do this. Whereas when I solve it and explain it to her on the lunch line, it really gets her in that, like her having to find the right place to put her body. So I thought that was interesting. And it's like a really, for me, how the horses are on the ground really translates to how they are under saddle. I love it. I, I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I think it's just like a life skill. You know, there's life skills that like my little niece and nephew human beings have to learn, like sitting in a chair and listening to math problems. Like there's just life skills that you need to learn. And I completely agree. I think every horse should lunge. Of course, everything can be overdone, but a young horse, these are for sure. It's not that you want to lunge them into the ground, but it's just the skill set needs to be there. Yep. They need to not like just view being put on the lunge line as a time to just like cut loose and be naughty and drag you around the ring. Like there in it's, and I have play days with my horses where like, you know, and it depends on the horse, how valuable the lunging is, but they should all be able to do it. And then you can decide whether that's a fit for the program and the horse or valuable you know, whether they benefit from a play day where they, you know, have a bit of control and they can bounce around a bit or, you know, whatever, there's a lot of different ways you can use it, but, you know, it's a skill set that they, they really should have, you know, that you want to make sure they have. Well, I think it's very, very important that the, the horses learn to balance themselves and to do the correct bend on a circle without a rider before being challenged by, having, you know, exactly. a different weight or, mm-hmm. or, you know, something more on top of that. I think, you know, if they, if they've got a little bit of the confidence, you know, and to learn the right tempo and to learn the right bend before you, you throw more complicated things at them, then, then they're just going to be more confident when you introduce those ideas, um, you know, with a rider and, and, okay, it might be easiest for a lot of easier for a lot of us just to get on and fix it. Like you said, but the horse will, you know, may become more confrontational or it might be just more challenging with a rider than without. And, you know, for me and, and, and going over the winter when we don't have much shows going on or, you know, like thinking about my goals, I, I do, you know, I got lots of lunge days where I'm using trot poles and stuff like that. So I want to be able to, you know, even the older horses, I want to be able to, you know, pull out something different for them to do because we're stuck inside we're stuck basically doing the same thing every day, you know, variations on the same thing every day. So I just, I like to be able to say, okay, today we're going to lunge and not have it be, 
a lesson about lunging, but the horse is already confident at eight, nine years old. Oh, it's lunging today. And oh, here's some chop holes and here's some, here's some Cavaletti exercises that I can do. It's just a variety uh, of things that you can do. But if they didn't, they didn't get those skills when they're younger, three, four, five, then, then it's just going to be stressful later on in life, you know, and the, that, that can be uh, not a fun day at all. So it's, it's important, right? It's an important skill. Yeah. It's a great life yeah. skill. Love it. Love it. Well, Olivia, thank you so much for your total saddle fit tip of the week. How can our listeners follow you online, especially while you're at the world cup in Sweden? Uh, probably Instagram is the best. I think it's the only one I keep up to date. Uh, <laughs> and that's just my name. If you just like put my name in, I think it's my like Olivia underscore Lagoy underscore Welch and you'll find me. And I think, I feel like the little at thing is like at, live dressage maybe i could be lying about that i'm not (laughs) (laughs) but just just look for my name fortunately i think i'm the only one with my name so you can't go wrong (laughs) well perfect well we can't wait to follow you and uh, thank you again for your tip tonight you're so welcome thanks for having me back on well as always everybody we love email and facebook shout outs keep them coming we love it and don't forget, we've got a great book club book going on right now, How Two Minds Meet, The Mental Dynamics of Dressage by Beth Baumert. And you can find that at um, horseandriderbooks.com, Trafalgar Square. They do an amazing job, and they have also other phenomenal books uh, to take a listen and you know read, read them, or you can listen to some of them as well. As always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is on Facebook, or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products. Eco Gold and Total Saddle Fit. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we can't wait to talk to you next week. <laughs>